All right, good morning, Orlando Baptist Church. So glad to gather with you today, even though we're gathered in different rooms around this campus. I know some of you are watching from home, so we thank you for gathering with us. We are the church. I'm excited about starting a new teaching series today, talking about who we are as the church. The, the series is simply called We the Church. And so we're going to talk about that this morning, kind of lay a foundation. Um, and then we will, over the next several weeks, just develop what it means to be the church, to, to live out our calling as the church of Jesus Christ. But we want to do a couple things, speaking of being the church, we want to do a couple things this morning before we get started. One, I want to give you a quick update on our building project. Uh, this week, they've begun to hung, hang sheetrock uh, in the auditorium. It's almost halfway done, so they, they've still got some work to do there. That may take a couple more weeks. Then we've got to paint, carpet, chairs. We still got some work to do, so continue to be praying with me that that God would just help move all of that along. Everything would happen and go just as it needs to with no hang-ups, okay? So be praying for that. We're excited about all that's happening there, excited to be able to gather together in one place again. But we're grateful for our tech team who helps make these Renovations Sunday live stream rooms happen. Um, next week, I need to show you a, a little video of what's going on in this room because it's pretty impressive and we have an incredible team. Thank you to Eddie Hickel uh, for his leadership and all those who help on our tech team. So we've got that. Uh, something else I, I want to do, last Sunday was Promotion Sunday in our OBC Kids Ministry. So our students that were going from preschool to kindergarten and our students that were going from fifth grade into sixth grade into middle school this year promoted up into OBC Kids and out of OBC Kids. And so we want to take a minute and celebrate that. So we've got a video uh, with their presentation from last Sunday. We want to show it to you real quick. So it's Promotion Sunday, which is an exciting, it's a little bittersweet for Miss Sarah, but it's an exciting Sunday. Um, and so we do two things on Promotion Sunday. We welcome in our new kindergartners who are joining us in elementary. We are also saying see you soon to our going sixth graders who are joining alive. And they'll be back to serve, right, and to help us out. But their time to grow and to go into alive has come. So we're going to start by welcoming our kindergartners. So if you are going into kindergarten this year, if you're going into kindergarten this year, I want you to come up front. Everybody who's going into kindergarten this year. You're going into kindergarten? Okay, can you smell? Paisley, you're going into kindergarten? Okay, Clyde? Okay, come on up, come on up. All right, can you guys make a line time across the front here? Good. Come down. All right. Can you see them? Okay. Okay, let's scoot down this way. Just a little. Come closer to me. Awesome. All right. So Snow and Zoe and Vanessa and Clive and Taisley are going into kindergarten. A couple of them joined us here at OBC recently, so they've started to come in our elementary group already. But Zoe is going to be joining us. Vanessa is their first Sunday with us. So let's welcome them by giving them a big round of applause. Awesome. Go wave at everybody. Hi, 
This one is harder for me. Listen, listen, girls. So, this one's harder for me, but if you are going into sixth grade this year, can you come up front for me? If you're going into sixth grade, join me up here. kids uh, who are graduating out of OBC Kids and into our Alive Student Ministries, our middle and high school ministries. So we are grateful for them. And this week, um, most schools are, are starting back to school. Orange County Public School starts on Tuesday. Uh, we start on Monday here at Orlando Christian Prep. And so probably your kids are starting back to school this week. Uh, and so we want to pray for our kids as they get started in school. We're going to do that in just a minute. We also have uh, some of our young people who grew up at this church who are headed off to college in the next few weeks, and one of them is Miss Anna Knight. I'm going to ask Anna to come over here with me for just a minute. You can stand right there, okay? So Anna, is a, she graduated two years ago? 2020, uh, and she was a student here at Orlando Christian Prep, has grown up in this church her whole life. This summer, she served as an intern with us uh, 
helping our young adult ministry kind of get started and get off the ground. And so she finished up her internship with us, and we're grateful for her. And I want to pray for her, but as I pray for her, I also want to pray for all of our students, all of our college students who are headed back to school in the next few weeks. And so let's take a minute and do that, okay, church? Why don't you pray with me? God, I, I thank you for these young people that we just saw in the video, from our kindergartners to our sixth graders, to the students in middle and high school who, who stood around those new sixth graders to pray with them, to invest in them and encourage them. God, I pray that you would just bless them as they head back to school this week. God, help them to be a light. Help them to live their lives in a way that people know that they love you. Just bless them, strengthen them, grow them this year. God, I pray for our students who are headed off to college. Um, God, at this incredibly formative time in their life, I, I pray that you would bless them. I, I pray that this season in their life, they would grow closer to you. I, I pray for our young adult ministry and for those who are investing in, in our young adults. And God, I want to pray for Anna. Just thank you for her service th this summer. Just bless her and encourage her in the days ahead as she takes on uh, new leadership roles at Southeastern University this year. Uh, just bless her and encourage her. God, as a church, help us to always love and encourage and invest in the next generation uh, because, God, that is what we do as the church. We are a family. So thank you for this time. Thank you for our students, for these young people. Bless them, strengthen them, help us to be a good church for them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, Anna, thank you. God bless you. Thank you for serving this summer. Okay, and so we want to do one more thing because our students are headed back to school. That also means our teachers are headed back to school this week. I know most teachers already started their pre-planning uh, this past week um, in schools all over the area. But today I want to have a special prayer of dedication for our teachers. So here's what we're going to do. Teachers, wherever you are in all the rooms, if you're in the small auditorium, a live room, or in the library, or even in the front lobby, I want to ask you to stand up. Just stand up right now. One of you has to be first. Once somebody goes, then everybody else will stand up. So come on. I'm, I'm taking time because I know teachers are always slow to be recognized. So teachers, stand up, okay? I'm, I'm assuming you're all standing up now. Let's give them a hand of encouragement this morning, church family. So teachers, stay standing, stay standing. Uh, we want you to know that we love and appreciate you. you. We know that what you do is not easy, and so we want to pray just a prayer of dedication for you this year. We also have a gift for you, so room host, I'm going to ask you to help me make sure all of the teachers that are standing get our special gift for them, just as a reminder uh, that we're praying for you. When you see, I think we're going to give you a coffee mug and some other things, when you see that coffee mug, uh, you can know that you have a church that's praying for you as you invest in the lives of young people and families this year. So church, right now, teachers, stay standing, stay standing wherever you're at in church. I just want you to reach out a hand towards the teachers around you, and let's just pray a prayer of dedication for them, okay? God, we thank you again for these teachers who have given their life to make a difference in the lives of students and in the lives of families of the students they serve. God, I pray that you would strengthen them this year. I pray that you would give them um, wisdom. God, I pray that you would give them patience. I pray that you would give them supernatural strength for those days when they are tired and worn out. God, I pray that you would give them a special love for the students they will serve this year. God, I pray that you would give them a boldness to speak life and to speak encouragement into the lives of students and families. God, I pray that they would know they're loved and that they would know that what they are doing makes a difference in the lives of young people and their families. So God, bless them this year. Strengthen them this year. Be with them this year. God, let them be a light in the schools where they serve. God, that, that their lives would ultimately point to you. So bless these teachers. Help them to know they're loved and prayed for. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's give all of our teachers a hand this morning. Thank you, church, for being a part of, uh, of this special time for our church family, recognizing our, our students and our teachers. And tomorrow is a big day as schools get back in session. And so uh, 
we know that the world is a crazy place right now with all of the uncertainty from a new wave of COVID and all of the things that are going on. So we pray for wisdom for our teachers and our administrators, uh, for those who serve in our schools. We are so grateful for each of them. Well, we're starting our series today called We the Church. We the Church. And the title simply points to the fact, the reality that we are the church. The church is not just a building. The church is not just some kind of institution. Uh, the church is not an abstract idea. The church is made up of people. We are those people. The church is made up of individuals who gather together to accomplish the mission of God in the world. So we are the church, and this series is going to help us understand that reality, hopefully on a few different levels. This morning, we're just going to start with a foundational idea of what it means that we are the church. And so uh, we're going to look at some metaphors in Scripture, some, some pictures that, that God's Word uses to help us understand the reality of what the church is called to be, what you and I, as the gathered people of God are called to be. But anytime we talk about the church, I think it's good to start at the beginning, to start at the foundation. And so that's what we're going to do. And I want to look at a passage of scripture out of Matthew chapter 16, the second part of verse 18. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he uh, talks about the church. And he says this in verse 18, the second half of verse 18, he says, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Jesus Christ says in this passage, I will build my church. And so there's a couple things as we begin this series on the church that we just have to say right out of the gate. Before we say anything else about the church, we need to understand, one, that the church belongs to Jesus. Everybody say that with me. The church belongs to Jesus. One more time, the church belongs to Jesus. In this passage, Jesus makes it really clear that it is his church. Uh, the church does not belong to us, right? We don't set the agenda for what the church is called to be. The church belongs to Jesus Christ. He sets the agenda. The church does not belong to some denominational hierarchy, right? Old men sitting in smoky rooms don't get to make decisions for what the church is called to be. Jesus Christ sets the agenda. It is his church. Secondly, we see from this passage that Jesus will build his church. Jesus will build his church. Say that with me. Jesus will build his church. One more time. Jesus will build his church. We see in this passage a uh, few simple concepts, that it's Jesus' church and he will build it. He calls us to participate in the mission, but it is through Jesus Christ that the church moves forward. So before we get into the message, I just wanted to just lay that simple foundation. So let's pray, and then we're going to look at some pictures, some metaphors that Scripture gives us as we talk about the church this morning. Let's pray. Well, Lord... We thank you. We thank you for the gift of your church, your gathered body of believers, of followers. And God, we thank you that as we come together, as we gather as your people, we are a part of something supernatural. We are a part of your supernatural mission in the world. And so, Lord, strengthen us, challenge us, call us to more as we seek to follow you, as we seek to accomplish your mission in the world. Jesus, we are yours. We are yours. The church is yours. And we know that you will build your church. And so we seek to follow your lead. We seek to go where you direct us. So Lord, over these next weeks, as we talk about the reality that we are the church, God, I, I pray that we would surrender and submit to your guidance, to your lordship and direction in our lives. Bless our time this morning in your word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. All right. Well, we're going to look this morning at three metaphors that, that Scripture uses to talk about the church. Here they are, a building, a body, and a family. A building, a body, and a family. Everybody say that with me. A building, a body, and a family. So we're going to talk about these metaphors that um, Scripture uses to help us understand what it means to be the church. And so the first one is this, a building. There's um, several scriptures that talk about the church as a building. Um, and we're going to look at two of them this morning. The first one is in 2 Peter 2 verse 5. You can follow with me on the screen over here. It says this, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This passage tells us that we, the church, are a spiritual house. This is using temple language, right? In the Old Testament, the temple was the place that signified, that designated, that, that was the representation, or, or rather not the representation, but the reality of God's presence among his people, of, of God's presence in the world. And so this passage that says, we are a spiritual house or we are a temple, we are, we are the place that represents God's presence in the world. Ephesians chapter 2 is another passage that points to the reality of the church as a building. So let's read that together. Ephesians 2 verse 20 says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In verse 21, in him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple. There's that spiritual house, holy temple language again. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. So this passage tells us that we are the dwelling place of God. And in Corinthians, Paul says that we are the temple of God. And, and this is pointing to the reality that the church is the dwelling place of God here on earth. So what does it mean that we are a building? What does it mean that we are a, a spiritual house or a temple as these verses are pointing out? So this idea of the church as a building points to a physical presence, right? When we see buildings, we, we think of landmarks. This church, Orlando Baptist Church, right here on Cimarron Boulevard, this church has been here for over 60 years. Our large auditorium has been here since 1972. That's over 50 years. And so this building is a landmark in this community. People know that, that big round church building with the fountain out front. Or sometimes I explain to people, yeah, we're next to Denny's because, you know, people really like those Grand Slam breakfast or uh, Rudy Tootie Fresh and Fruity. Is that, is that Denny's or is that IHOP? I don't know. Anyway, I digress. Uh, we think of buildings as landmarks. I, another way I describe where our church is, we're about five miles north of the airport because the airport in Orlando is a landmark. And in the same way as the building, as the dwelling place, as, as the temple of God, the church is a landmark. It's a, it's a physical representation or a physical manifestation of the presence of God in the world. That's why Jesus says in the New Testament, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. When we gather together as the church, we we, we manifest the presence of God in our lives. As a church, one of our prayers is that every time we gather, uh, our services, our gatherings would be marked, would be known for the power and the presence of God in this place. Because it's God's presence, it's God's spirit that transforms people. I mean, we could have great preaching, we could have great music, we could have really friendly people but if God's presence isn't moving in our midst, then we're just having a good time. We are not making a supernatural difference in the world. But when God's presence moves in our midst, when, when God's presence takes control, when God's presence moves in the hearts and lives of his people and, and those who gather with his people, then God does the supernatural. And this idea that we are a building points to this reality that, that we are we are a place, a physical place where God's presence dwells. So people know that when I 
gather with the church of God, I am gathering in God's presence. Now, look, God's presence is not limited to a building for sure. God's presence is not limited to just a gathering of his people. But the reality is when God's people gather, God is there and God moves. It's, it's different than just our individual lives. Each of us as individuals are part of the body of Christ. We're part of this church. Um, but, but when we're on our own, it, it's, it's a different experience than when we gather with God's people. God's presence is, is alive and real and moving in each of us. But when we gather as the church of God, uh, there is a different reality to the presence of God. I also love this passage says that we are living stones being built together, that, that we are being built up. Remember, Jesus Christ will build his church and he is building us as living stones. I, I love that, that phrase, living stones. We're not, you know, we think of stones or bricks. They, they don't have life. They're just inanimate dead objects. But not so the building of the church. We are living stones and, and we are continually being built. We are continually growing. Every time somebody is added into the family of God, there is another brick added to the building. This past Friday, uh, as our outreach team was out serving and sharing the gospel, another brick was added to the building. I think we might even have a picture. Do we have that in there? No? Okay. Okay. So this past Friday, our outreach team was out, and uh, Miss Lucy Santiago was able to lead a young man to, to Christ, and he was added to the building, to the, to the church, to the dwelling place of God here on earth. A building is a symbol in a community, and the church should be a symbol of God's presence among his people. So the first metaphor we have this morning is a building. As the church, we are a building. The second one is this. We are a body. We are a body. And let's look at this scripture together. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 says this. Just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. We are the body of Christ. It continues, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. And verse 14 says, indeed, the body is not one part, but many. And jump down to verse 27, it says this, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. We are the body of Christ. As the church, we are a building, Scripture says, but we are also a body. As, as a building, we represent Christ's presence in the world. We represent the place where, where, uh, where God dwells in the world as, as his people gather together. But as a body, we have a mission to accomplish. We think of a building as, as a place, uh, but the body moves, right? We, we move. The body can go from point A to point B. The body can get work done. It, it, can, it can accomplish things. First Timothy verse, I'm sorry, Romans 12 verses 4 and 5 says this about the body. It says, now as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individuals of individual members of one another. We are the body of Christ, and we don't all have the same role, but we are put together to accomplish God's mission in the world. When you think of a body, a body does things. Now, the older I get, the less my body can do, right? There's, there's things I used to be able to do uh, that I can't do as well anymore. I, I get out of breath quicker. My muscles get tired quicker. My back might just randomly give out. Um, but, but as a body, right, we, we think of accomplishing work. And as the body of Christ, we have been sent, we have been commissioned to accomplish the mission of Jesus Christ in the world. The body of Christ is meant to accomplish his mission in the world. And, and these passages point to the reality that we all have a different part to play. 
right? The parts of a body make up one body. Just a hand all by itself that's separated from the body is not very useful because it can't do anything. It's just a severed hand <laughs> or an or a arm or a leg that's not connected to the rest of the body doesn't have any use. But when we come together as the body, the hands and the feet, the arms and the legs, the mouth and the, the nose and the ears, all, all of the parts of the body that we read about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we can accomplish more for the kingdom of God. We can accomplish Jesus' mission in the world. We are the body of Christ. Now, as we read earlier in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church. And Colossians 1, verse 18 tells us this, as we think about this metaphor of Jesus' body, the church as Jesus' body, Colossians 1:18 says this. It says, he, Jesus Christ, is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. Jesus Christ is the head of the body. We are the body of Christ, right? We are called to accomplish his mission in the world. We are called to go. We are called uh, to share. We are, we are called to, to reach out hands of, of love. But we do it with Jesus Christ as the head. The head sets the agenda for the body, right? Our brain uh, sends impulses to the rest of our body that tell our hands to move. If I make a fist, it's because the head told my fist what to do. If I take a step forward, if I do this really like woo thing in the camera, uh, it's because my brain had a bad idea that I should do that to the camera. But right, my, my head told my body what to do, and Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He sets the agenda. Now, if a body does things that the head didn't tell it to do, then that's a problem. There are diseases where, where we no longer have control of our body, where the, where the impulses of the brain no longer control the body and the body acts um, outside of it's what it's supposed to do. And, and, and we, we call that a disease, right? That's not the way it's supposed to be. And in the same way, the church must operate the way the head, Jesus Christ, tells us to operate because we are his body. Now, we're going to spend some more time on this idea of the body. We're not here to develop all of these ideas, these metaphors in great detail today. We just want to lay a foundation. We want to see that the church is a building, and that means that we are a representation of God's presence in the world. And as we read in those passages, as the building, uh, Scripture says that we are built on a foundation of Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. He is the cornerstone of the building. He is the head of the body. We're going to look at another metaphor this morning. We've got a building, a body, and the, and the third one we're going to talk about is the church as a family. The church as a family. As we look at this idea of family, we're going to read a few passages of scripture, and the word used for family is household. It says the household of God or the household of faith. Already Arthur read a passage for us out of 1 Timothy that pointed to the household of God, the household of faith, the family of God. And we're going to look at a couple more passages this morning. The first one, again, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. It says, so then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. We are members of God's household. And then we're going to look at that first Timothy passage again. Verse 3, chapter 3, verse 15 says, But if I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So these passages of Scripture point to the idea that we are the household of God or the family of God. So as the building, church as a building, we represent God's presence in the world. We are a physical representation, manifestation of God's presence in the world. Our lives should reflect God's glory and goodness and grace. As the body of Christ, the body, the church body, we are called to accomplish Christ's mission. We are called to go into the world to accomplish his mission. 
And as the family of God, the church as a family, we are called to live in love and unity with one another. Scripture talks over and over and over again about how we should how we should love one another, how we should prefer one another. We call these the one another's in Scripture. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Uh, encourage one another. Rebuke one another. All of these passages that point how we interact with one another as the people of God. We are a spiritual family. And so the church is called to operate in love and unity in the world. Now, this idea of love and unity, it's not, it's not just kind of a warm and fuzzy, mushy idea. Because the reality is for us to operate in love and unity takes a lot of work. I mean, sometimes it's really hard to love me. You can just ask my family, so, you know. And, and sometimes it's hard for us to love one another. It's hard for us to put aside our differences. It's hard for us uh, to put aside our opinions about this thing or that thing. There's a million things to have an opinion about in the world. And it's hard for us to put those things aside, to love one another, and more than that, to live in unity with one another. But scripture is so clear. In John chapter 17, Jesus Christ's prayer for the church, for his people, is that we would be one. And this idea of the church as the family of God is, is this picture that we would live in love and unity. Now, to love each other properly means that when we see each other going off the rails, then we need to lovingly correct one another. We need to lovingly call one another back to the truth. We need to, with grace and truth, uh, extend um, correction and reproof sometimes. We know this as a reality in families, right? Parents, sometimes we have to correct our kids, even when they're grown-ups sometimes, right? And, and, and as grown-ups, as, as uh, adults, siblings, brothers and sisters, we correct each other, we help each other, we encourage each other. It's, it's not easy, but it's what we're called to do as the church of Jesus Christ, the family of God. Love and unity and sacrifice, it's what we're called to. John chapter 1 verse 12, again we see this language of family. It says, to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be called the children of God, those who believe on his name. We are adopted into the family of God. And as a family, we are called to love one another in a way that is supernatural. I, we've talked about this idea often that unity is is really easy when everybody thinks the same, right? In fact, we don't even call that unity. That's just uniformity. We all have the same opinion. We all like the same movies. We all like the same, you know, political candidate. We all just think exactly the same. And, you know, there's, there's no room for, uh, for disagreement in, in a world like that. But that's not the world we live in. We live in a world where we are, we're different. And we have different opinions and we have different personalities and we have different sense of humor. And, and, and in that case, when we can come together in unity, that's supernatural. So th what we say is uni unity without diversity is just uniformity. But if we can have unity in our diversity, then that's supernatural. And that's what we're called to be as a church. We're called to be a place where brothers and sisters gather from every walk of life. And we choose to focus on Jesus and make him the center of our unity. And, and when people walk into that kind of community, to that kind of family, there is something supernatural about that that calls and draws people to Jesus Christ. So as a church, we are a building. We are a physical manifestation, a representation of God in the world. We are a body. We are, uh, we are called to accomplish God's mission in the world. And we are a family. We are called to operate in love and unity with one another. And that's not always easy. There's one more uh, metaphor that scripture uses to describe the church. And, uh, and I want to just talk about it for just a minute. And that's this. 
We are a bride. The church is the bride of Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 27 say this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Continues to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. Verse 27, he did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. This last metaphor that scripture uses to describe the church is the bride. And I, I love this picture of the church because it's the most personal of all of them, right? We are a building, and that's great. We're a physical manifestation of, of God in the world. We are a body. We're called to accomplish his mission. We are a family, and there's something warm and, and nice about that. But this idea that we are the bride of Christ points to something even deeper. It points to the reality that Christ pursued us. It points to the reality that as the groom, that, that Christ pursued us, that while we were lost and dead in our sins, Jesus Christ came for us. He, he made the first move. He came after us. He came to seek and to save those who were lost. The idea of being the bride of Christ means that he pursued us. It also uh, points to something else in, in the culture of biblical times, part of marriage was a dowry. Some of you may know that word. A dowry was a price that a groom, uh, I'm sorry, that, a, that, that would be paid by a bride's family. Uh, I'm <laughs> Okay, start over. A dowry is a price that would be paid uh, in order to marry. It was a price that, that would be paid in, in order for a man and a woman to marry. And we see that through Jesus Christ, he paid the ultimate price to make us his bride. He gave his life. He sacrificed himself for us. In Ephesians chapter 2, it says that uh, Jesus Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. He gave himself for us. And this picture of, of the church as his bride points to this incredible love. It, it points to to this depth of relationship. And, and because Jesus Christ pursued us and because Jesus Christ gave himself for us and, and John it says that Jesus Christ is going to prepare a place for us that one day we would come to him in splendor. The book of Revelation talks about one day that we as the bride will, will be called to the groom. It's this picture of the bride walking down the aisle towards the groom it's this picture of, of intimate love that Christ has for us, his church. He is the groom, we are the bride. It also means that we respond to him in loving faithfulness. There are other places in scripture where it talks about this idea that we would turn away from Christ, that, that we would that we would turn away from him, the one who loved us and gave himself for us, and we would pursue other things. And, and the phrase that's used in the book of James and other places in the scripture says that that, that is adulterous. It's, it's adultery for us to turn away from the groom as the bride of Christ and to pursue other things because, because he lovingly gave himself for us and we respond to him in loving faithfulness. This morning, church, we are a physical representation of God in the world. We are the body of Christ. We are called to live on mission. We are called to go where he leads us as the head. We are a family of God. We are adopted as God's children, and he is the father, the head of the family. And as such, we are called to love and to serve and to prefer one another, to live sacrificially with one another. We are the bride of Christ. He redeemed us. He gave himself for us. He demonstrated his love for us. Over the next few weeks, we're going to continue to talk about what it means to be the church. Now, this morning was just kind of a, a foundational overview of these metaphors that are used in Scripture. 
but one thing I want us to really be clear on as we wrap up this morning, there, there is the reality of the global body of Christ, right? I've been in places all over the world and I've gathered with churches. I've gathered, gathered with churches in Nairobi, Kenya and in, the Man- in Manila in the Philippines. And I, I've been with churches in uh, Latin America and I've been with churches in Europe and Romania uh, among the gypsy people with, with Tony Calico and his ministry there. And, and that's the church. It's all over the world. It's this global body of Christ. But... As we think about this idea of being the family, there is this incredible reality of the local church. When we're called to love and serve one another, that's side by side, shoulder to shoulder. That's Orlando Baptist Church, 500 South Cimarron Boulevard in Orlando, Florida. That's this place where we gather together. And it's important for us to gather as a church locally to make a difference in our community. Next week, uh, Arthur's gonna preach a message and he's gonna talk about the importance of gathering together as the local church. But this morning, I want us to just have a time of prayer and ask God to help us as a church to be a place where his presence is manifested in the world, to be uh, his body that goes forth to accomplish his mission that we are his family that loves and serves one another and that as a bride that we would lovingly respond in faithfulness to the one who loved us and gave himself for us. If you've never come to a place of faith in your own life, if you've never responded to Jesus' call to, to come to him, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, then then. You are not a part of the church that we're talking about this morning. But the incredible thing is that anyone who wants to come is welcomed. Anyone who would put their faith in Jesus Christ is welcome to be a part of this incredible spiritual family, to, to be a part of representing God in the world and accomplishing his mission. And so this morning, if you've never come to a place of faith, I just want to simply say that Jesus Christ came to make a way for you to be a part of this spiritual family. Scripture says that our sin, our selfishness, and our pride, right, we all would admit that that we don't always live up to our own standards, much less the standards that God has given us. Because Because of that, Scripture calls it sin, and it separates us from God. We're born into sin. Nobody has to teach us how to be selfish. Nobody has to teach us how to do the wrong thing. It just comes natural most of the time. Jesus Christ came and he gave himself for us by dying on the cross. And through his death, he paid the penalty for my sin and for your sin. He was buried and he rose again from the grave three days later. And in his resurrection life, he conquered sin and death. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and his crucifixion and resurrection and we turn from our sin and doing life on our own terms and turn to him as Lord and Savior, he saves us. He adopts us into his family and we become a part of his church. And this morning, if you've never come to that place of faith, today is the day you can respond. In just a minute, we're going to pray and if you, would, if you have questions or you would like to talk to someone, our room hosts who are in every room, I'm going to ask the room host to stand up and just go to the front of the room. They're available if you want to pray with somebody. Um, this morning, you can also fill out a connection card uh, and, and we will follow up with you and, and talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus and take your next step in following him. But I just want to pray a prayer of dedication for us as the church. So let's pray together. Well, Lord, we love you. We thank you that you loved us first and you demonstrated your love for us that through Jesus Christ. You gave us the opportunity to be adopted as your children. So God, I pray that, that we would call on your name, those who have never come to a place of faith and they would respond to your salvation. And God, as your church, I pray that we would be a, a a holy temple, a place for your dwelling here on earth. 
And God, when people gather in this place with your people, God, that they would experience your power and your presence. And God, I pray that we would be your body in the world, that we would go forward to accomplish your mission, that we would be your hands and your feet. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a spiritual family, the household of God, and that in that, as brothers and sisters, that we would love each other and be patient with each other, that we would put each other's needs before our own. God, that we would live sacrificially and selflessly with one another in a way that demonstrates your incredible love to the world. And God, we thank you that you are the groom who pursued us and who sacrificed yourself so that we could be your bride. And Lord, help us to live faithfully to you as your church. God, I I pray as we're gathered all around this campus and gathered in homes right now, participating together in this service, God, what an incredible, beautiful gift it is to be your gathered people here on earth. So God, use this church. Use Orlando Baptist Church to represent you and accomplish your mission in love and unity in the world. God, be glorified through us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm Pastor Dustin Janney. Thank you so much for joining us online for worship today. If something spoke to you from the message or if you have a question about it, we'd love for you to share that with us. Just comment below or send us a message. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we are so excited for you. We believe there is no more important decision you could make. We'd love to connect with you and help you take your next steps in following Jesus. Again, thank you so much for joining us online today. We hope to see you soon.